Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to The Balance. My name is Tom Mark Wassell, President. It is Saturday morning. Welcome to The Balance Studios high atop uh, in Indianapolis, Indiana, in the west suburbs. We are going to have a great show today, give you a little bit of a roadmap. Coming up on August 22nd, mark it down, put it on your calendars, put it in your phone, do what you got to do. Because Breaking Rank will be back. Myself and Rick Riggins, going to executive producer of The Balance, is going to join us here in just a moment, uh, is uh, going to kind of lead the ship on that. Uh, but uh, I will be on it as well. Every Wednesday night, 8 o'clock, Breaking Rank. And uh, so in lieu of everything that's happened this week, if you've lived underneath a rock, don't worry, we will get you brought up to speed. Certainly one of the biggest college football stories in recent history uh, broke this week uh, regarding Urban Meyer, uh, head coach of the Ohio State Buckeyes. We're going to talk about that. But Breaking Rank is all about college football. So if you're a college football fan, Breaking Rank every uh, every Wednesday night beginning second 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern time right here on the Balance Radio Network. And it will also be available on all of our podcast platforms that you're so used to joining us. So we're going to be doing that today. Matthew Embry, uh, Rick Riggin, executive producer of The Balance, and Mo from the BS Sports Show. We're going to break down all of this Urban Meyer, so we're going to give you more Urban Meyer buffet than you can possibly handle. Of course, we're going to get in a lot of talk about college football, bringing you up to speed on the camps, of what's been going on with the camps, and Andrew Luck, the Colts, and certainly all the other uh, 32 teams, if the NFL. My name is Tom Marquis L. President. Hey, 917-889-8516 is our digits. We'll be right back. It's about to get good. National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family. So the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. 
With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio, see the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. Shop the Symbol Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous Pork Chop Down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. Welcome back to The Balance. My name is Tom Mark, sale president. It's time to get this party rolling. Joining me now, uh, executive producer of The Balance, Mr. Rick Riggin. Good morning to you, sir. Hey, good morning, and I'm coming to you live from the uh, soon-to-be Breaking Rank Studios here in the boonies of Evansville, Indiana. And as I'm sitting outside right now, uh, Wildlife might actually make its Balance Sports Talk Radio debut today. Well, there you go. It's it's not a bison, but hey, they, I hear they're they're Oregon fans. So, <laughs> yeah, somebody, yeah, so yeah, stop I don't know what me. he's talking about pre pre show today. I already had about six ducks just kind of walk up and want to hang out with me. This is about two or three minutes before the show came on. I actually had to chase them off a little bit. <laughs> so be honest. We know you got a loaf of bread right there beside you. Oh no, no, not me. <laughs> 
Well, Rick, also before we get uh, things under roll, I, I know you're another year older. It's been a, kind of a big year for you. Uh, you had a daughter graduate high school, uh, so you've had a, some milestones happen, and happy birthday to you, sir. Uh, thank you very much. Turned 39 yesterday, and yes, had a daughter graduate high school this year, and I'm still pretty young, so uh, everything's going pretty good. There we go. Well, I tell you what, uh, things are going better for you and I than Urban Meyer. I wanted to, to kind of certainly uh, weed into that this conversation as we're going to be talking about it throughout the entire show. Certainly one of the biggest uh, college uh, uh, football stories in recent memory. Uh, but one of the things that's important to talk about is, as, as we just mentioned at the beginning of the show, breaking rank, coming back on August 26th, every Wednesday night. You're going to be kind of leading the, the, the ship on that. You're going to be the captain. I'm going to be the co-captain on on that particular show. Uh, so talk with us a little bit about what it is and why people should tune in every Wednesday night, 8 o'clock Eastern time right here. Yeah, well, Breaking Ranks going to be your midweek dose of uh, college football. You know, we're going to talk about the games be, uh, from the week before and the games leading into, you know, the Saturday. Uh, breaking, the, breaking down the top 25, the top 25 matchups, because we have some of them every week. And, uh, it's going to be a, our, our take on it, you know, our take on the rankings, you know, because a lot of people don't agree with the AP top 25, and especially in week eight, whenever the college football playoff rankings start coming out, you know, there's always a lot of dramas around that. So we're going to give our take on it, who's deserving to be in, uh, who really isn't, and the reasons why. And, you know, there's going to come a time we just know it's going to happen. I mean, because everybody's talking about it, whether you like it or not, there's going to come a time when we're going to go from four teams to six teams, maybe even eight teams uh, to to the playoffs. And this is all because of really a lot of it uh, is because t- we're always going to have this. I don't care if we have eight teams, ten teams. There's always going to be those teams that say, hey, I should have been in, and here's why. Uh, a lot of the teams that – kind of don't make it in are, are, are kind of our West Coast teams that don't get a lot of media attention as far as uh, viewership unless they're in that local market there. Do you think, if so, that's fine, but a lot of people think that because of that, that hurts their chances in getting into playoff uh, scenarios in, in getting into the playoffs, and that's why you always see your Alabamas, your Ohio States, uh, your Clemsons, and so forth in the in the uh, uh, playoff scenario because they're the ones that get all the TV time. I don't think there's any truth to that, but what are your thoughts? Well, there's actually a, a pretty good example right now because the, the rumor is, and it's kind of like the worst kept secret in college football right now, outside of the Urban Meyer stuff, anyway. But uh, college game day, week one, is going to be at Notre Dame, Michigan. Uh, that's the big rumor. That's the kind of the worst-kept secret right now. But just like you're talking about the teams on the West Coast, uh, Auburn is actually playing at Washington. That is a that's a top-ten matchup, you know. So I just think that that being on the West Coast and the time that game's probably going to be played, that's why game day is choosing Notre Dame and Michigan over Washington and Auburn. And joining us now, speaking of Notre Dame, Matthew Embry. Matthew's our official IndyCar contributor, but there is no IndyCar race. Matthew, we hope, can be a part of Breaking Rank on Wednesday nights with us as he can, but he lives right there in Notre Dame country. He works for the flagship station of Notre Dame, so certainly he knows Notre Dame very, very well. Uh, And so, Matthew Embry, welcome to the balance. We're doing a preview uh, of uh, Breaking Rank. It's going to start on August 22nd, every Wednesday night at 8 o'clock. Certainly nothing but 
college football. We're going to get into this big Urban Meyer uh, conversation. Uh, but uh, let's talk a little bit what you heard Rick talk about uh, Notre Dame. And uh, let's get your look at uh, Notre Dame going into the 2018-2019 uh, season. Well, the question, I think, is on the offensive side of the ball. The defensive side of the ball looks extremely strong. You've got a very strong uh, defensive lineman returning in Jerry Tillery. Uh, you've got a very good team leader on the defense, Drew Tranquil, in the linebacking core, as well Bilal as the new rover. And you have a loaded uh, defensive back line, uh, probably the strongest they've had, like in the last five years, uh, with Sean Crawford. Uh, a very intriguing process back in Houston Griffin. And uh, then also, I believe, Alohi Gilman, I believe is his name, the Navy transfer. So you've got plenty of options there. The big question I have right now is how long a leash uh, does Brandon Wimbush have? If he struggles early against Michigan, does Coach Kelly go to Ian Book? Uh, the other question I have right now is at running back, uh, Dexter Williams, can he stay healthy? Uh, there's question marks on whether or not he'll even play the Michigan opener because of some questions about stuff maybe outside of the school where he's had some issues. Uh, Coach Kelly was very uh, – nonchalant about that or really couldn't say much about it when asked about it earlier this week and when he was in Culver yesterday for the opening of the fall camp. And uh, then you look at running back. And that's obviously the other position, Tony Jones Jr., another possibility. And then wide receiver, uh, Miles Boykin had a great Citrus Bowl. You have other options there. And then obviously tight end, because they become uh, tight end you again. And then, obviously, Rick, you look at the positions, obviously, that offensive line, and he's losing uh, two superstars, Quentin Nelson and Mike Glenchy. You've got other players at that position, those positions that can help you now. But the question is, are they going to have the same effective running game uh, with those two pushers no longer there opening holes for, like, the Josh Adams and some of the other running backs they had last year? And, of course, another key thing is also at the running back spot, no Deion McIntosh this year. He's also been dismissed for the team. So, you're thin at running back, question marks at, you know, the quarterback and the offensive positions. Uh, that's my biggest concern right now looking ahead to Michigan, especially considering this is a Michigan team that was number three in total defense in the NCAA last year. Rick is going to be uh, kind of the, the host of the uh, breaking rake. The balance presents the breaking rake on Wednesday. So, Rick, I'm going to kind of let you kind of lead the ship uh, through college football talk today. Uh, as you hear, uh, and I know you're a big Notre Dame fan and, and – maybe quasi-expert, as you hear uh, Matthew break down the uh, 2019 uh, Irish team. What are your thoughts, sir? Yeah, I agree with the offense. Uh, it, it's actually well, – they returned five stars from last year, and uh, Sam Mustafer is going to be the anchor of that offensive line this year. Uh, retooled uh, offense, and the big question is uh, what improvements has Brandon Wimbush made over, uh, over the offseason? I mean, he's a dynamic runner. Uh, he, he can make the big throws, but it's his decision-making. And uh, throws on the run is what he had uh, problems with last season. So it's going to be interesting to see what improvements that he's made. Uh, they're not going to have – losing Nelson and McGlinchey is it, going to hurt. They're not going to be able to push that left side of the line. But at the same time, uh, I am kind of on board with uh, not having those guys and not having Josh Adams is going to kind of open up the offense a little bit more because as the season progressed last year, you just kind of had a feeling it, and it, it became kind of predictable that when Josh Adams was in the game, he was going to run behind those, those big, uh, big guys on the left-hand side. And Josh Adams was a, he's a big running back. He's stand up. 
He's a straight-up runner, and he's going to run downhill. And it became more and more predictable as the season went on last year. Now, I think hopefully uh, Brian Kelly is just trying not to tip his hand. Hopefully Dexter Williams is going to play. Uh, he is looking at four games or something like that. Possibly he's, he'll be suspended for, but I'm not sure how that, all that's going to work out just yet. Uh, but he's not tipping his hand, so hopefully he does play with Tony Jones Jr., and these guys are actually great in the passing game also. Hopefully they can utilize both of these guys and open up that running game and open up that offense uh, even more in year two under a Chip Kelly's or Chip Long's offense. Guys, talking about Notre Dame, and I think and we're going to get into this Urban Meyer conversation here in just a moment. But I think just a couple years ago, we were, we were, we were hailing uh, for Chip Kelly's head. He turned not only his season around last year, guys, but he turned around his job security there at Notre Dame. As we well know, I'm going to poke the bear a little bit here for both of you Notre Dame fans. You guys are the loudest people in the room. It does not take much for you guys to swing the other way and start calling for his head. So what does Chip, I mean, what does Kelly have to do in order to uh, keep that from happening? Either one of you, go right ahead. Do you mean right, Chip Long or do you mean the head coach, Brian Kelly? I mean the head <laughs> coach, Brian Kelly. Chip I do it. I do it. Yeah, you got messed me, messed I, me up yeah, there. I got tongue tied of Chip Kelly. I meant Chip Long for the offense. So you're too. Yeah, uh, I do it all the time. I'm sorry. <laughs> too many Kellys. Go right ahead. The head coach of Notre Dame. That's what I'm talking about. I would say at this point right now, he is in the clear. Of course, keep in mind, uh, Lou Holtz, this is around the time Lou Holtz was starting to be pushed out the door around this nine-year mark. Uh, the thing is uh, – who what's the who's the next superstar coach that is out there that could take this job? And the, uh, right now, as far as I'm concerned, Rick, there's only really one coach out there. Maybe that you would go after at this point, or maybe that's the coach at Minnesota, or the coach at Purdue. Uh, other than that, I really don't see a coach out there. I think that could handle uh, the strain of the job of handling uh, the Notre Dame head coaching rings at this point. If you get rid of Kelly. Uh, I don't know if there's really many options that uh, are favorable out there because everyone keeps thinking they're going to go after the super big coaches. But as we've seen over the last several coaching searches, those guys like the Stoops and et cetera do not want this job. So how much uh, – there was a little bit of smoke, and maybe it's just internet rumors, but I, I feel like there's a little bit of smoke. But they actually talked to John Harbaugh a couple years ago after they had that five-win season. Uh, is there any truth to that? That's a name I haven't heard, believe it or not. I haven't heard Harbaugh's name, either one at this point. Uh, the names that I keep hearing are the small ones, like uh, the coach, like I said, I think it's P.J. I think it's either, what is it, the coach that's at yeah, Minnesota, for, and then obviously Jeff Brown. Yeah, from Minnesota. And, uh, yeah, Purdue are the two that I keep hearing. Obviously, Jeff Brom almost PJ Fleck. went elsewhere. Yeah, P.J. Fleck. Jeff Brom, like I said, Purdue almost went elsewhere to this past offseason. So those are the two big names I would say out there that maybe would be in the running for the head coaching job that I would be looking at. But beyond that, uh, I just don't think, unless the wheels fall off if they lose to Michigan, which I think, unlike you know Eric Hansen and my other colleagues, South Bend Tribune and the WSBT are poo-pooing that, but I think if they have a poor performance to open against Michigan, it could be another long year, and I think at that point, maybe the heat starts to pick up again on Brian Kelly. 
is our digits. My name is Tom Mark Russell, President. I am your loyal host. Uh, you'll pay homage to us for the next two hours. I'm on loan from God uh, so that we can bring you the next two hours of great sports talk. And today is kind of a little special episode that we're doing to kind of get you ready for Breaking Rank that starts on August 22nd, 8 p.m. right here on the Balanced Radio Network. We hope that Matthew can join us as much as he can to talk Notre Dame. Rick's going to be uh, leading uh, the ship, if you will. Uh, and Matt, I know you wear another hat with the show, too. You're our official IndyCar contributor. No IndyCar race this weekend, of course. Uh, but just for housekeeping uh, records and just to uh, appease all of our uh, fan base so we don't forget any of them, uh, talk with us a little bit about what's going on in IndyCar, get us caught up, and then we're going to get into the biggest college football story ever, at least to, to record, in my opinion. Go right ahead, Matt. Right now, the key man right now is Scott Dixon, and it's in, not, in just two ways. One is he is the championship leader in the champ, for the IndyCar Astor Cup. Second is this rumor about McLaren possibly going to IndyCar with Fernando Alonso, and Scott Dixon's name has been brought up as a potential teammate. Uh, Dixon has confirmed that he has talked to McLaren, but nothing has been signed at this point. He's in the final year of his contract with Chip Ganassi. So ultimately, right now, if you're talking about the key, the center of the IndyCar world right now, it's all about Scott Dixon, not just on the track, but off the track at this point. Well, absolutely, and certainly uh, Scott Dixon's been very, very impressive. And we're going to stay with the IndyCar talk uh, uh, going forward into in, the weeks as, as IndyCar gets back on the track. Uh, real quickly, uh, uh, Steve Wilson, our uh, NASCAR contributors, in a wedding this weekend. Ricky, you know oh too well that what that's all about to uh, get to play dress up and drink beer. Uh, so that's what hey, he's, he's doing. He's not off the hook for that. He's not off the hook for that. I actually called in the show when I was in the wedding, if, you know, earlier yeah. this year. He's not off the hook. Yeah. You did. We'll, we'll publicly shame him uh, next week. But, Matthew, we'll kind of lean on your racing expertise, if you will. Uh, the uh, NASCAR does not have the weekend up off. They're up at Watkins Glen up in northern New York. Certainly always a great show. And if you like Rex, well, tune in to the Glen, NASCAR at the Glen this weekend. Well, if you talk about guys, you know, the road course specialist, obviously the one guy that comes to mind as far as making the chase is A.J. Allmendinger. Uh, if he doesn't get it done here, I just don't see how he gets into the chase at this point. And uh, if you look at other possibilities as far as road course chases, uh, Kyle Busch's name comes to mind, Kyle Larson, Jimmy Johnson. Uh, I'd say at this point, any of those four would be good bets uh, because, again, it's not about car here. It's very back like Rocket Split. It's more about skill. Uh, over that and still trumps it. And I say right now, if you have a road course background or a little bit of a road course uh, favoritism, uh, you'll have a good weekend, especially when we get the green flag tomorrow. And certainly with the spot in the chase up the grabs, uh, certainly one could be taken by a driver that we don't expect to get into the chase otherwise. All right, guys, let's get into it. The biggest story in college football in recent memory uh, and i think that that the, you'd be hard pressed to find a bigger story than what happened this week and, and rick we're going to kind of start off with you you're going to be the host of breaking rank uh this is kind of a breaking rank free preview if you will every wednesday night though at eight o'clock beginning august 22nd uh rick and i and matt and whoever uh, that else that we uh round up to to join us in, in our panel of expert moping to be a sports show we'll join this as well uh we're going to be breaking college football down on, on on the best so i guess two things guys we'll start with you rick we'll go around the horn first of all rick tell us about the story what it is 
Give us your personal hot take, and then give us your professional opinion of what you think should happen and will happen. Go ahead, Rick. All right, I will start off by saying that Urban Meyer is not the victim here, and Ohio State is not the victim victim here. Courtney Smith is the victim here. And I think in these past few days, especially yesterday with the Urban Meyer statement and the interview with Zach Smith coming out, it all it makes everything look even worse. I have, if you watch that interview, Zach Smith, I have not seen anybody look more guilty than that interview he did yesterday. He looks like an abuser. And then the statement put out by Urban Meyer of now where he's saying he did send this information up the chain. Now he just threw his athletic director, Gene Smith, under, under the bus and put it all on him and the Ohio State administration. So we're going to let this investigation uh, do its due process and find out what's going on. But my opinion, as I see it here right now, I feel like Gene Smith and Urban Meyer are both going to be fired uh, sometime before the season starts because Ohio State is not going to let this go into the regular season. So, Matt, I guess we'll turn it over to you uh, on this right now. I think at this point right now, this could end up being just like what's happened with the Arizona basketball team. When Sean Miller said he was able to keep his job, I have a feeling Urban Meyer is going to find a way to keep his job. The two guys that I point the finger at blame, though, are, are Gene Smith, the athletic director, who has not done a good job of riding the ship after all the problems that happened under the previous administration. And that's got to be the school president, H. Gordon G., who has continually tried to shove these incidents, the Clarette incident and the other incidents that have happened recently, under the rug. Uh, that is a person that is not fit to run a school like this if he is claiming after there was a key thing, and yet these issues involving the athletic programs keep happening. So I think if you're talking about two people that deserve to lose their jobs, Gene Smith is one of them, and I'd say Gordon G., the school president, both deserve to be getting pink slips before the end of the year is out. But I just have a feeling that this will be like Arizona, where Sean Miller got, was able to keep his job. I have a feeling Urban Meyer, unless something else comes up, is going to stay as the head coach at Ohio State. Well, guys, here's the thing, and I am uh, totally 100% in agreement with uh, Rick and the both and Matt, the both of you guys. I am totally think that this is not a good thing, not a good look for Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer's a good coach, bad guy. Uh, we saw the mess that was created down in Florida uh, from Urban Meyer. Let us not forget that in 2009 that he knew about this situation. So, you know, here, here's the thing. I find it very, um, I mean, Rick, you're married. I've been married. Uh, and, Matt, I, you, know, you know how husbands and wives uh, communicate with each other. It's very, very rare that the wife and the husband do not communicate about what's going on in their life. Um, you you lean on what you hear what Urban Meyer said that his wife is his sounding board is his his uh, his his partner in crime if you will and in this case no crimes were committed by Urban Meyer so here's the 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 caveat or the pickle that we're in here so what we have is we have one side of the fence which. Clearly, he covered up an abuser, and that is wrong in every sort of way. There is no excuse and no room for any man that puts their hand on a woman. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't, I don't, there's just no excuse for it. There's a lot of ways to express. Uh, and, and keep in mind, back in 2009, when this couple was 24 and 26 years old, she was pregnant when the abuse happened. So, 
here's here's the the, the thing that has happened here. Got to got to hold the line here between two things. Ohio State is going to fire Urban Meyer. Make no bones about that. I totally agree with Rick. I think that's going to happen. Now, what happens though with Ohio State is they've kind of put uh, p- pigeon-toed themselves, if you will, because what they've done is they said, okay, we're going to have an independent council, a, a total independent council, uh, do an investigation. Well, three of the independent council is uh, board members of Ohio State, so I don't know how independent it actually is going to be, but they have uh, taken the effort to say, hey, we're going to have this independent council review this. Now, is it to review whether or not we're going to fire Urban Meyer? Nope. That decision, I think, is pretty much already made. The decision is, did he do something egregious enough within, written in his contract? So they have to do this legally. They don't want to pay him the $32 million or whatever it is. I'm sorry, I don't know the exact number. But whatever is remaining on his salary, I think it's $32 million, but I could be wrong on that. Uh, but whatever that number is, they don't want to have to pay him that. So they have to find just cause. Now, just cause could be, did he violate any NCAA rules? No. The answer to that is no. Just cause. Did he bring shame or did he bring uh, – did he put Ohio State in a bad look? Yes to us, but clearly no to his alum, to alumni. There's no public statements about alumni pulling money. Uh, there's no public statements about advertisers pulling money. So the answer to that is still no. Then the other legal part of it is because of this husband-wife relationship, just like a lawyer and a client and a doctor and a patient, there, there's boundaries that can't be crossed. So at the moment, they have no just cause to fire uh, Urban Meyer. Now, they can do whatever they want, and they will. They will fire Urban Meyer. Let's, let's be very clear about that. What they're trying to do is find a way to not pay him the $32 million. So my opinion, I think they just need to pay the $32 million, suck it up as a, as a bad debt. They'll make that money back. And let's get the focus off of this. Let's make it go away. The unfortunate thing, the end networks are going to be lining up to give him a job. Rick, go right ahead. Yeah, so uh, on this, and uh, Reese Davis actually came out a couple days ago and said the reason why for the paid administrative leave, I mean, there's a couple reasons why, but Reese Davis feels like they're doing this so they can uh, negotiate the terms of a separation you know, for Urban Meyer, and I agree with that. You know, the, Of course, the other reason why you know, when a story like this comes out, Ohio State has to protect themselves. They, they just can't run Urban Meyer out on the practice field uh, during a so, during a something like this, and uh, then take all the heat from the public for it at the same time. So that's the two reasons why for the paid administrative leave. Uh, my question is, how come Zach Smith wasn't fired in 2015 when, uh, according to Urban Meyer's statement from yesterday now, he knew about this in 2015, and he sent this up the chain in 2015, and nobody did anything about it in 2015. So my question is, why wasn't Zach Smith fired by anybody in 2015? Why wait until some of this stuff came out publicly and Zach Smith was fired of July 23rd of this year, and now it's a big story? So how come – what changed between 2015 and now? Why fire him now not fire him back in 2015, Matt? 
Well, if you go by that sense, that sounds like a cover-up to me, which uh, does not look good. But, again, uh, I think we're rushing to judgment here a little bit because, just like I said, the Arizona situation, everybody thought for sure, uh, Tom, Sean Miller was gone. What's happened? He's kept his job. So we just need to let this play out. I don't think we need to look at saying a rash judgment right now. Until we know for sure he is gone, we have to assume that he could still be the coach this year. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were. I thought, I thought you were continuing on with some, uh, with a thought there. I, I do apologize. Um. So here's here's a, a, a couple things, guys. Then I want to go around the horn and get get your thoughts on a couple of things. So. Adam, who's been on the show before, a big Cleveland Browns fan, he was not able to join us today for this conversation. He was invited, uh, but he has swim lessons for his son. So his thoughts are – just a second here. His thoughts are – I want to make sure I get it right. People are upset that he didn't report it. He did report it. Again, as Rick just said, now he's running the athletic director underneath the bus. Is he, though? If he really did that, maybe the, the, the blame does fall on the athletic director. And the school acted accordingly. The police did not press charges. There again, that was the other point that I was going to make a while ago. Keep in, por- keep in mind that the abuser here was never actually charged with a, a, a domestic abuse crime. This was uncovered by the ESPN reporter, or <laughs> funny, wasn't ESPN reporter, but was still getting paid by ESPN, and now he's with the stadium. And I can't remember his name, uh, Brett. Something, but either which way, thank you. Yeah, Brett McMurphy. Um, Either which way, he found this information through public records uh, that he had been cited in civil case for uh, domestic violence. So there was no there was no crime to cover up. So that's part of it too. Uh, uh, So the police didn't press charges. I really don't see how they can fire him for just mere accusations. If we look at it just in that context and in that light and if you just look at it from the legal eyes and and that's there's a reason why uh justice wears a blindfold is because they just look at the clear black and white when you look at the clear black and white urban meyer is not covering up any crime because there was never any crime charged rick okay so let's look at it like that so this goes back to 2009 and I think even all the way back to 2005 where uh, Zach Smith and Urban Meyer been on the coaching staff together here. And Urban Meyer has known about this all the way back from an incident, I think, from 2005. So if, if you have an employee working for you that you know beats his wife, but he's never been arrested for it, uh, your standard is then you still just allow him to keep his job because he hasn't been arrested for it, even though you know he's a wife beater. Uh, that's my take on it. I just think that's a bad argument from Ohio State fans because that's the only one that they go to, that Zach Smith was never – there's no charges ever pressed against him uh, for this type of thing. I understand that's their fight because it's Urban Meyer talking about their head coach. If he gets fired, I think Ohio State falls out of college football relevance for the next two, three years or so. So that's the argument they make, and that's their fight. But my take is if you have an employee that you know has been beating his wife, you kept him on your staff just because he's never arrested for it, that's pretty bad. Oh, absolutely. Totally agree. Could not agree with you more. Matt, what are your thoughts? 
I don't think Ohio State drops out of relevance. I mean, unless they have a massive suggestion you've got the death penalty or massive probation penalties, which to this day, and I'm wondering if Penn State was warranted to get those penalties anyway, I still think Ohio State's going to be a factor. They just need to find the right coach to probably stay in-house, find an interim on either the offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator, and I still think they will be a factor unless we have a massive exodus of players if and when Urban Meyer is released. And that's a very good point. you got to look at when you go to fire a coach like Urban Meyer, you got to realize there's a lot of loyalty there with him, and you you got to wonder, will you have a mass exodus? Do they want to protect their football program? Is it worth firing Urban Meyer? Now, now let, I, I think we're all in agreement. The guy needs to go. But from the, from the personnel aspect and from the aspect of Ohio State, I, I don't know. I, I think that – to us, the, the, the choice is very, very clear that Urban Meyer or Jesus Christ, it doesn't really matter. If they, they did this, they need to go. But it amazes me that whenever all of these know-it-all coaches, these coaches, uh, you mentioned the Arizona coach, and we, we think about Rick Pitino, we, we think about all these coaches that were great, uh, are great coaches. Yes, Rick Pitino did get fired as he should have. But uh, when when everything came in, oh, I don't know nothing about no strippers. What are you talking about? I don't know nothing about no hookers. What are you talking about, Urban Meyer? I don't know nothing about no uh, uh, domestic violence. What are you talking about? All of these uh, coaches that know everything, they all of a sudden don't know nothing, and it's it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And then what it comes out to be is that they do know uh, a lot more than what has been said in. Again, I agree totally with Rick. If he's been covering up an abuser, um, yeah, he needs he needs to go. Guys, I want to read you something here. Um, give me just a second here. So this was uh, posted on Facebook regarding uh, Urban Meyer in, from a friend of mine, and I'm going to keep the name out of the equation because the name does not matter. But here is the post, and I and I think – it brings light to a lot of things when you think, well, why – this is not about the victim, um, and I think her name was Brandy. Am I right on that, uh, Rick? Right here in front of me. Uh, yeah, Courtney Smith. Courtney Smith. Brandy is Urban's wife, correct? I is that, think is that so, correct? yes. No. Yeah. Okay. okay, Courtney Smith is a victim here that, that, that's been – Referenced. I just wanted to make sure I got that right. So it's important that we take a look from their point of view. She has no uh, ill will toward Urban Meyer one way or the other. This was not about getting Urban Meyer fired. This was about, hey, I got to tell my story. So bear with me here for a moment here. I want to read this. I thought it was pretty good, and I thought it was very relevant to what we're talking about. There are a lot of domestic uh, abuse experts revealing uh, themselves this week. It's easy to judge a situation you have no experience with. Uh, Why doesn't she just leave? Uh, She's just uh, staying with him for the money. Uh, She should just uh, be – she should have been raised better. Why doesn't she know better? Uh, Domestic abuse happens in all facets of society, regardless of race, income level, education, etc., it's a complicated issue of trauma effects in every aspect of life or the entirety of it. Her relationship with men, her family, her children, her job, her personality, her ability to look 
to look people in the eye. The next time you get you're, you're near a shelter, go inside and request a tour. You'd be surprised at how many strong, educated women who who do know better uh, were the right way and ended up living there. There are only there, and those are the ones that got out. I'm sorry. Uh, as you are ranting on Facebook about a woman you know nothing about, uh, I not or don't know the situation. Uh, you can't fathom. Keep in mind that public shaming and judging of an abuse victim does not do anything to help her. It serves only to lower her self-esteem and self-worth and isolate her, uh, which in turn makes it easier for her abuser to keep her a victim. I think that strong words and good words to be said about this victim that we're talking about, Rick. Yeah, it's great. I agree. It's very well put. And, uh, you know, it's, it's the era that we're, uh, we're in right now too, is the hypersensitivity to, uh, the domestic violence, the era of the me too movement. And actually we should be, so this stuff should be coming out. And, uh, yeah, I think that's a really good statement. Uh, Matt? Trying to avoid on the situation like that. That's very uh, iffy comments right there and stuff like that. I try to avoid saying anything on that uh, as far as stuff like that. The fact of the matter is something did happen here, and uh, regardless of the situation, uh, yeah, Zach Smith does not deserve another job elsewhere. In the world of football, college football, high school football, pro football, period. Uh, the question now is: Is does this stand more on what Coach Meyer did, Athletic Director Smith did, or school president G did? I think that's the bigger question right now, um, not uh, the mindset of the victim here. Well, here's the thing: I think that that part of why we need to kind of look at this because this is how the story broke. When the reporter spent some time with the victim, uh, and she wanted to tell her story, and I think this is all it is, is that she's telling her story. She's she's trying to move on with her life, and in the process, we have a huge story like we have have about urban. So no, I I, I agree on on what you're saying there, Matt. I just think that we're in a situation here, and we're going to get into some other college football talk. We'll circle back around to Urban Meyer in, in a little bit here uh, because we, we got one talk about some other college football, and, and Mofa to be a sports show is going to join us here as well. I don't know how, how long you can stay with us, Matt, but you can stay with us as long as you want. We're going to take a break here in just a moment anyway. But let's go ahead and get the thoughts on – well, how do, how do I word this question? Do you think the story should have been released or broken? And do you think that the media, Rick, Matt, is making more out of this than maybe they should be? Well, I I think, uh, and I agree with Matt from a statement he made earlier, that we should investigation and wait and see what all comes out of it before we uh, jump into judgment. And I think that's where the, the media is, is blowing the story up, like a lot bigger than a, a story. And, you know, it, of course, you know, in the social, the social media age we're in, too, it, it, everything gets a lot bigger than what it maybe it should be. But uh, I, I agree with Matt and, you know, with the media and what all the facts and everything that we know now, 
story is bigger than what maybe it should be. But uh, we're just going to have to wait and see what the uh, evidence uh, reveals. Matt, do you think the media is making more out of this than, than is really there? Do you think that, the, that, that this is just a story because it's Urban Meyer? If it was somebody else, uh, it wouldn't uh, be a story. I don't think it's just because it's Urban Meyer. Because remember, Dave Bliss, who was an unknown coach, was absolutely ripped apart after the situation that happened at Baylor. So it could happen anywhere. I don't think it's necessarily the coach situation. I think, again, we just need to be a little bit cautious with this because, like we said, uh, back in March, we thought for sure Sean Miller was gone as Arizona's head coach, and yet he is still there for another season and for the foreseeable run. So, uh, but like I said, it doesn't look good for Coach Meyer right now, but, again, to say that he is going to be fired for sure, I think there's still a really rash rush to judgment here uh, until we know for sure what Ohio State's going to do here. Great with you, man. Uh, with, with you, man. I'm on the fence on this. I, I mean, there's one part of me that the the human man side of me that just wants to, you know, kick Urban Meyer's ass and say, hey, you know, get fired and, you know, whatever. But then there's the other side of me that says, like you said, Sean Miller didn't get fired. That's a valid point. That's a very good comparison there. I think the crimes are far different, if you will. Uh, and I'm not saying that um, – that the crimes are different in the aspect that the laws were broken. I'm just saying that I don't know that there was what we would call victims in, in the Sean Miller case, as we would with, with this case with urban Meyer, uh, Rick, what are your thoughts here before we go to a break? Yeah, I would just say with the, his, his statement and the way I let off the show with the uh, Meyer statement came out yesterday and this, uh, the interview with Zach Smith, <laughs> It, it, it paints an even uglier picture, really. I, I think they didn't do themselves, themselves any justice. I think it makes them both look a lot worse. I mean, uh, that interview with Zach Smith is uncomfortable to watch, really. Uh, it, he can't make eye contact with the interviewer. I can't think of his name from ESPN. No eye contact. He can't stop moving. He can't stop moving his head and twitching. And he's struggling to find the words to, to say to answer each question. I mean, it just it's the most guilty-looking interview I have ever seen in my life. The guy's trying to clear his name, and he cannot assert himself, you know, into any form of innocence in this. You know, he's just trying to come up with answers and can't make eye contact. It's so uncomfortable to watch. And then the the statement by Urban Meyer saying he did send everything up the chain, if that's the case, and Gene Smith and the administration, nobody did anything, you know, about the situation. So. Both both things that came out yesterday just make the whole thing a lot worse. Well, guys, we're going to take a break here real quick. Matt, are you going to stick around with us? Yeah, I sure can. All right, guys, we're going to take a break. When we get back, and we're going to get into some other college football talk. We'll circle back around to Urban Meyer uh, when Mo from the BS Sports Show joins us. And uh, certainly I do want to get into more conversation about that Zach Smith uh, interview, and uh, we'll get into that a little bit later on as, as, as the show moves on. My name is Tom Marcus Dell, President Day, myself, Rick Riggin, and Matthew Embry. We'll be right back on this special episode of Breaking Rank which, by the way, starts August 22nd, 8 o'clock Eastern. My name is Tom Mark El Presidente. We'll be right back. The Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. 
In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio, see the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive-through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. Shop the Symbol Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous Pork Chop Down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about Welcome back to The Balance. My name is Tom Marquez, El Presidente. Uh, joining us, executive producer of The Balance, Rick Riggin and Matthew Embry. Uh, we've been talking uh, some college football, a lot of Urban Meyer in, the, in this uh, uh, 
throughout the show today. Certainly, that's one of the biggest stories to hit college football. It's kind of a preview, if you will, of breaking break that's going to happen beginning August 22nd, 8 p.m. Uh, for uh, one hour every every week. Uh, we'll get you caught up on college football, and, and Rick is going to act as the host on that, and I'm going to act as the co-host on, on uh, that uh, show. But, uh, Rick, talk with us a little bit about breaking break. And what can listeners expect when they tune in every Wednesday? Yep, top 25 breakdown, especially week eight when the college football playoff rankings come out. And, of course, that takes over the AP poll. So uh, that's when they go by. A lot of drama surrounds that. That's when the show really takes off. Uh, That's when we get uh, all the uh, big debate who should be in the top four, who shouldn't be, should the tournament expand, uh, the playoff expand, which I think it should be. Uh, But starting August 22nd, Wednesday night, 8 Eastern, 7 Central. You can join our conversation every week, every Wednesday night. And I hope that Matt can join us as well. Matthew's uh, uh, up in Notre Dame country. Uh, Matthew, uh, what station are you with again up there? I, I believe it's the flagship station of the Irish up there. Am I, am I correct on that? 96.1 WSPT, the sports leader. Yeah, I'm going to be able to get for the first couple of weeks, but unfortunately the showtime, that's right when the Brian Kelly show is being run, so – my producer dudes may make it difficult for me to be able to join the fun uh, on Thursday nights. You sure it's not the Chip Kelly show? <laughs> Somebody be. stop me. Somebody stop me. You know how many times this year, Rick, I'm going to say that, right? Uh, but, hey, you know what? He's out, oh, he's yeah. out well, there. He did it a bunch uh, last year, too. <laughs> I know. And, and uh, that's okay. That's okay. We'll, we'll we'll get through. That's why. That's why. That's why Rick. That's why you drive the college uh, football uh, talk, if you will. Well, you know, certainly the biggest college football story going on right now is Urban Myers. So it's kind of hard to look away for a little bit. So, but we're going to try our best to do that. Uh, Rick, uh, let's uh, kind of just talk a little bit about some of the recent media days. Uh, what were some of your takeaways? Some of your highlights? some of your lows, some of your highs. Obviously, again, we we have to look away from Urban Meyer. We know that there was the big denial at the Big Ten uh, media day, but did you have any takeaways as far as the ACC with Notre Dame or uh, any other uh, media days that happened this past week? A couple weeks. Uh, No big takeaways, but uh, I love all the media days because that's basically the official start to college football season. And uh, my question to Matt, though, is that, before the uh, Urban Meyer thing came up, this is just kind of the biggest story in college football. Is it going to be Tua or is it going to be Jalen Hurts down at Alabama? If it's not Tiger Milo, I'll be very shocked. Uh, Jalen Hurts uh, just had the inconsistencies. I think those really were a concern. And with Tiger Milo, it, it provides the kind of spark, and he is more the quarterback that Nick Saban is looking for to run that style of offense that he runs at Alabama. So I just have a feeling that Taco Bailoa is going to be the guy that is going to be running the train for the Alabama offense in 2018. Unless Jalen Hurts or something happens where Taco Bailoa gets injured, it's clear from all the things you see based on what Nick Saban has to say about Tuo that he wants him as his starter. And right, uh, just real quick, right. uh, Go ahead, Rick. just real quick, uh, yeah. I I know somebody involved with the Louisville Athletics, and uh, you know, from what I hear there, uh, Alabama Louisville play week one, so obviously, uh, but Louisville is actually uh, preparing, practicing 
against two of Tonga Vailoa that are prepping for, for him to be the starter. We might see them both, but I, I'm with Matt. I think it's going to be Tua, and I, I'm, I'm seeing and I'm hearing that Louisville is actually prepping uh, to play against Tua. Well, wish the best of luck to Louisville because I tell you what, they're going to have a lot of oh, trouble, yeah. <laughs> especially with all they've lost on the defensive side of the ball this offseason. So I think Louisville's going to have a lot of trouble trying to stop the tie. Uh, guys, okay, let's get into this. And, and, and this is a kind of a special preview, if you will, of a uh, of, uh, breaking rank that's going to begin on August 22nd, 8 o'clock p.m. Rick's going to kind of guide the ship on that. Uh, but uh, uh, we're just going to kind of go through some uh, – just some basic teams, some basic uh, uh, information uh, about uh, get, just get some thoughts on some of the, the, the teams that, that we're going to talk about. Uh, this week, the coaches poll came out. Obviously not surprising. Alabama's at number one. So we'll just kind of go through the, uh, the coaches poll, if you will, Rick. Uh, feel free to add anything that you want. And, and uh, keep in mind that they did only do the top 25 elite teams. There is no uh, non-elite teams in the in the top five poll. Yeah, Tom, I swear, so. if you bring up Kansas and Rutgers again and want me to break down a Kansas and Rutgers game, <laughs> here, here's what I know about Rutgers. Greg Schiano coached there like eight years ago, and they were actually halfway decent. But they do not belong in the Big Ten for football anyway. That's what I can tell you about Rutgers. And I'm hoping Kansas breaks a school record and wins something like five games this year. There's my take you know, on Kansas and Rutgers. Go ahead, get that out of the way because I know you're the one dying to ask me about Kansas and Rutgers. You know what's going to happen? Kansas and Rutgers both are going to win their prospective title uh, game. So let's uh, uh, obviously Alabama number one, thirteen and one, uh, coming up their fifth uh, title in nine seasons. The Crimson Tides have uh, more questions than usual uh, with the unsettled quarterback situation. Matthew, does Alabama have a quarterback controversy? They shouldn't. Uh, if the national championship game proved anything, Tago Vailoa is the guy, like I said, that Saban wants to run this offense. I mean, he went far and beyond to bring this guy into the fold when they were recruiting this guy as a high school senior, which tells me this is the guy they want running the offense, and it's not a knock against Jalen Hurts. But I just think that as far as the dual pass run option, the guy that can get them the most out of their position right now is Tungle Vialoa. Rick, uh, number two on the poll is Clemson. No surprising there. Certainly if defenses win uh, championships, then uh, Clemson certainly is a well position to make their fourth consecutive uh, playoff uh, uh, appearance there. Uh, how dominant is the defense there at Clemson? I'm sorry. Uh, uh, really good. And also just being in that conference i think uh i think the acc takes a step back this year a little bit i know florida state is a new head coach really taggart I, I think clemson's only competition in that conference this year is miami and i even think miami might take a step back this year a little bit i mean we had a solid turnover chain last year and miami's defense is really great uh, i don't know they they had some inconsistent quarterback play last year i think that's going to continue this year and uh, i think miami might take a step a little bit of a step back but they'll be Clemson's only challenge in that conference. So I think Clemson's probably going to be in the playoff once again. So, uh, Matt, we'll go to you again. We're trying to look away from Urban Meyer, but we just can't because he's the coach of Ohio State. And certainly Ohio State is number three in the coaches' uh, poll this week. Uh, and uh, they, they were 12-2 and two last, last year. 
certainly on the, on the field anyway. The the, the Buckeyes uh, have a big Big Ten champions with uh, running back uh, Dobbins and uh, defensive uh, lineman Baza uh, are among their standouts. Talk with us a little bit about the Ohio State Buckeyes, and don't talk about Urban Meyer. <laughs> Go ahead, Matt. Well, with or without Meyer, I still think they're going to be up there. Uh, the thing is, though, they got a very interesting uh, opening uh, test against Oregon State, which I think could be a tricky opener. Uh, things are still a little bit, you know, where the focus is being taken away just a little bit. And then you look at the other schedule, uh, that game at TCU, uh, also uh, the trip to Texas, I also think it's going to be a potential tricky uh situation for them. Beyond that, though, um, it's just a regular player side. And then, of course, the big question is, can they get through all the other ones and then set up their chance to get into the Final Four tournament uh, by getting by Michigan? Uh, Guys, I think we're getting some feedback there. So if somebody has their audio the radio up or whatever, just kind of turned down a little bit. Uh, Rick, uh, number four in the coaches poll, Georgia, 13-2. and Um, I still think that that, that, uh, the sting of losing to Alabama in overtime in the championship game will provide a lot of motivation for Jack Fromm, uh, who looks to avoid a sophomore slump. Thoughts? Uh, Thoughts are his name is Jake Fromm. And then uh, not Jack Fromm, and then uh, also replacing Jack, guys Jake, like, Nick Chubb, like Nick Chubb and <laughs> and Sony Michelle, and then uh, Roquan Smith on that defense. Uh, they had some big shoes to fill. So uh, uh, we've seen that uh, Kirby Smart is, is running that program just basically the, the how how the disciplined uh, Nick Saban has Alabama. Uh, I I think Georgia and Alabama are going to butt heads again. Uh, I think it's going to be them too for the. Uh, the SEC title this year. I know Georgia played against uh, was Auburn last year, and uh, that's the thing with, with uh, Alabama not making their their championship game. Because a couple years ago, Nick Saban himself said that you have to win your conference championship to even make the playoff, and then Alabama didn't even make their championship game last year. But I think it's going to be Georgia and uh, Alabama in the SEC championship this year. Uh, Matt, uh, going over to the Big 12, if you will, obviously that was Baker Mayfield country with Oklahoma. Oklahoma uh, in the number five in the coaches poll. They were 12-2. and two. Um, So uh, I'm not sure. I think it's Rodney Anderson who's going to be replacing Baker May- Mayfield. Big shoes to fill out Tyler there. Murray. On Oklahoma. Oh, okay. Thanks. Honestly, I don't think it's going to matter who the quarterback <laughs> no, is. No, Rodney this Anderson is my running back. Special for September 1st. I, I call, go ahead. I have Florida Atlantic beating Oklahoma. Florida Atlantic is a very dangerous team. Bill Steele is going gaga about right now, and there's good reason. There's a lot of potential with that team. Uh, Oklahoma better not enter that game with their pants down. They could get stunned and humiliated by Florida Atlantic in Norman if they're not careful on September 1st. Go ahead, Rick. I know you were saying something. Go ahead. No, I – I like that. Now, Tom, that is a hot. You cut off on me, right? Uh, Matt, go ahead. Yeah, great. Oh, I'm sorry. Can you hear me now? I can hear you now. Go ahead. What'd you say? All right. I was like, Tom, now that is what we call a hot take. That is great. <laughs> uh, Matt, that is awesome. I love that. I'm going to agree with you. I think the lane train comes in and they get the win of Oklahoma. I'm going to go with Matt and that. Mini breaking break seven segment. That might be the first breaking break hot take, man. So thanks for that, Matt. I agree with that. That's awesome. 
Well, there we go. And Phil Steele. Phil Steele has them in his top 30. And Phil Steele <laughs> has that big book, so I, I'd say I don't think he's blowing smoke. I really don't. No, I don't think so either. I mean, I, I love Phil Steele. So. Well, guys, the next one, uh, team in the coaches poll, rated number six, is Washington. Washington always the ad- uh, redheaded stepchild, if you will, in the NCAA. Nobody likes Washington. Nobody wants Washington to get in the playoffs. All oh, poor Huskies, four poor puppies out there. Uh, but they do have Jake Browning and Miles uh, Gaston returning. Is this going to be another year, guys, that Washington gets snubbed by the NCAA? Rick? Uh, can they get past Stanford for a change? Hey. They play against these teams that slow them down, and then all of a sudden they can't put up any points whatsoever. So they go against Stanford and play against that pro-style offense. So Stanford slows them down and beats them up in the middle with the running game. Uh, that never sits well with Washington. And we're going to find out what type of team they are in week one when they play against Auburn because Auburn's going to beat them up. I mean, that's an that's a big SEC team going up there to play, them, uh, play against Washington in week one. So we're going to find out week one uh, what type of team Washington is. Well, everybody's got a plan to get smacked. Stop being their own worst enemy at this point because they had problems being of old Washington State in the Apple Cup last year. So uh, that's the question my mind is. I mean, they, if they play to the potential, they are one of the top teams in the country. But that's the question mark. Can they play to the potential every week? Because you have to do that in college football because once you lose one game, you are in deep trouble. And then once you lose two, you're out. Guys, let's let's talk a little bit about uh, Wisconsin, number seven in the coaches poll. I tell you what, I, to me they should be ranked a little bit higher than than number seven. They came in at thirteen and one last year. Let's let's not forget how uh, how good they they may have a bit of a vanilla offense, uh, but their defense is incredible, uh, and uh, certainly they have one of the top offensive linemen in running back Jonathan Taylor. Uh, should be explosive again. Again, why they're rated number seven is just simply be probably because they're in the Big Ten and they're not Ohio State. Rick? I think that division of the Big Ten is probably the best division in college football because you got, you got Wisconsin, Ohio State, Michigan, and Matt, you may have to correct me. I believe Penn State is in that division and maybe even Nebraska, but I'm not sure. Nebraska might be on the other side. But uh, the Big Ten is growing. The Big Ten is getting tougher, and that division is leading the way. I think that division is the toughest division in college football. Matt, go ahead. We're go on, back. on the schedule, but also the thing I think it could hurt them if they are on like eleven and one. Look at the non-conference schedule they're playing: Western Kentucky, New Mexico, BYU. There is not a Gaga team in that list of teams that I see right there that if it is close between them and another school for one of those last spots to get into the, to the Final Four, I think that could be a very tough sell for the committee to put them in over someone else that may have a tougher non-conference opponent on their list. So let's look a little bit at the number eight team, Miami Hurricanes, down in Southern Florida. Uh, obviously a great place to play if you like good weather. Uh, they had a an awesome start to their season last year, uh, Rick, and then they just fell flat on, on their face. That offense has to do better. Can they do better? And they need to see a better job from their quarterback, uh, Malik Roser. Uh, that's p- pivotal for the success of the Hurricanes, Rick. Right. Wade's going to have to have more consistent quarterback play, and that defense is going to play as good as they did last year than to have a chance to compete with the Clemson in that conference. And 
I don't know what happened to them after the Irish game. They destroyed the Irish, I mean, unfortunately. But uh, after that, what, they lose something like three or four straight. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what happened to Miami last year. But uh, they're going to have to play better, more consistent quarterback play, and step up and might have to see more appearances by that turnover chain uh, this year if they want to have a chance to compete with Clemson. Uh, I think the AP might be just be in love with Miami. You know, Mark Rick is a great coach. He's back at his alma mater. And that stadium, the Hard Rock Stadium or whatever that they call that down there now, is a uh, we saw a national TV against the Irish. That is a tough place to play. I think they might just be ranking them a little too high for me. I'm not sure if they're a top-10 team just based off at the end of the season last year. But uh, they're going to be tough, and they're going to be Clemson's uh, only competition in that, in that conference this year. Call me Go ahead, Matt. I think that 41-8 win over Notre Dame gave them a false sense of security, which is not a good thing. It might sound funny. But I think once they did that, they let their guard down. They thought it was going to come easy to them, and they paid the price for that, and they kind of let their guard down. I think right now they need to stay even keeled. That's been the thing I think that's hurt Miami over the last few years uh, since their heyday with Dennis Erickson, you know, Larry Coker was the coaches. That even keelness that they had has disappeared again. And once until they get it back, I think they're going to have a hard time uh, making a strong case of being a team that could possibly challenge the national championships like they consistently did in the 80s and 90s. Guys, let's look at Penn State. Again, another strong Big Ten team. But, you know, Gunner, Shaquan Barkley, three of the top four receivers, uh, they, they – uh, uh, certainly have their, their quarterback still, uh, Trace McSorley, uh, in a veteran offensive line. I, I think that gives you some optimism for uh, Penn State. Uh, but, Rick, can uh, Penn State uh, make it to uh, a uh, playoff berth without Shaquan Barkley and others? I think they can because I think McSorley is good enough as a quarterback to do it, and I think James Franklin is a hell of a coach and a tenacious recruiter, and he's going to have his teams ready to go in every game and I think Penn State, uh, my opinion anyway, Penn State will be the Big Ten representative this year for the uh, the top four. I've got Penn State in my top four. There will be a lot more battle tests in Wisconsin. I think they've got a lot tougher Big Ten slate. I mean, Ohio State's on the schedule, a trip to Michigan. Uh, and I think right now you look at that. Uh, the thing, though, that's a little bit scary out there, they got a couple, you know, Jimmy's against App State and Penn State, but that game at Heinz Field at Pitt uh, could be a scary one if they get up to slow start. Guys, number 10 in the coaches poll. This is uh, the balance, but we're doing kind of a special preview of Breaking Rank. Remember, August 22nd, starting at 8 o'clock, Rick Riggins going to be your host. I'm going to be your co-host. Uh, Matt's going to join us when he can. My open to be a sports show is going to be a regular staple. Uh, we're going to have a lot of fun uh, with it, and we're going to be talking college football, giving you the weekly uh, dose of all the breaking news that's going on in college football, and especially as we get closer and closer to playoff berths. Um, Number 10, Auburn, uh, certainly uh, they're the only team to beat Alabama last year. The Tigers start this season focused on repeating in SEC West champs. Rick? Yeah, I don't think it's going to happen this year because I think that's going to be Georgia's going to take over that. But uh, I I do think that uh, they're going to be battle-tested as well, as uh, Matt just put it. Uh, for Penn State, I mean, they start with Washington and with Alabama and then play all the SEC teams in between. Uh, I, I think it's going to be a two- or three-loss season for Auburn, which is great considering what their schedule is, but they beat themselves up. They are not 
uh, afraid to play opponent like Washington, unlike, you know, their uh, the rival there in Alabama who refuses to play against teams like that, especially on the road. But you will never see Bama, while Nick Saban is there, uh, play a team like that on the road. It's always going to be a neutral site game or, or, or what have you. But uh, uh, I think Auburn re-signing Gus Malzahn uh, was the best thing they could have done. And uh, I don't think it's going to be the year for them. They're definitely one of the elite teams in the country, but I'm thinking two losses. Go ahead. You look at those last two thoughts, games though. in the last three weeks. Uh, there, even though, yeah, they got the game between them between as far as Liberty, but at Georgia, at Alabama, smart money says they're going to have to win both of those games, and they're probably going to have to play Alabama or Georgia again in the SEC championship game. I just don't see a scenario where they can win all three of those games to get into the playoff. All right, guys, we've talked about this team a couple times today. I know you're up there in Notre Dame country, uh, uh, Matt, and Rick, you're a big Notre Dame guy yourself. Uh, obviously, uh, they open up the season September 1st against Michigan. Uh, it's certainly going to be a big game there. Uh, Brandon Wimbush is the, the quarterback there, uh, but has to be more consistent in uh, throwing. Rick, uh, the Notre Dame fighting Irish, what are your thoughts? Number 11 in the poll, by the way. Yeah, and, and I'm with Matt 100% on this one. It's going to be Notre Dame's uh, retooled offense that we don't really know much about just yet against that great defense that Michigan is going to bring into South Bend. Uh, one of those under lights, primetime games, I know they're go- going to have a green out or trying for a green out. Uh, stuff like that, I don't know, Matt, you're up there. Seems to not really work out when these big games like this happen. As last year we saw against Georgia, it was more of a red out. Uh, which is really uh, disheartening. But uh, they're going to do the green out for uh, Notre Dame Stadium this year during this game, and it's going to be that offense, Notre Dame's offense, versus that great defense against Michigan. And that's going to be the big question mark is Brandon Wimbush, what type of improvements he's made during the offseason. Let's face it, Rick. They have to win the Michigan game. I think they have any realistic chance to get to the playoffs because you look at the rest of the schedule, and there are some dangerous teams in there. Wake Forest is a much improved team, and having to go to Winston-Salem is going to be tough. Stanford, you mentioned, is going to be tough. Bod Tech on the road, that has the inklings of a potential blow-up like the Miami game was. Uh, Pittsburgh is a scary opponent, like I mentioned, with Penn State. Uh, Navy having to go to triple option is going to be tough. Northwestern is going to be a scary team. Florida State's going to be much improved, I think, when they start the season to when they played on November 10th. And then, of course, you close on USC. So if they lose that Michigan game, I just don't see, Rick, and I'd love your comment on this, I just don't see a way where they can run the rest of the table and go 11-1 and and have a chance to make the playoff. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And one thing I, I would say, we talk about Brandon Wimbush and uh, the improvements he's made. Uh, what are people saying about Shea Patterson? What what can we expect out of Shea Patterson? Because I feel like he was kind of like an average quarterback in the SEC, and now he's coming into Michigan on a very limited time trying to pick up a new offense, learn the scheme, and build some type of relationship with receivers. So what can we expect out of Shea Patterson from Michigan? Remember, Purdue did that when they had the Miami transfer, Margaret Marv, and they tried to bring him in right away, and it didn't work out. I think it's the perfect timing for Notre Dame to play Michigan on that statement. The thing is, though, can they find a way to break through on that defense? And they got to be able to get that run-pass situation going, maybe get Wimbush running the ball a little bit to soften up the defense and they focus on trying to gun on him. Maybe that opens the door for some of the wide receivers like Boykin, et cetera, to make some big plays, chase play pool. 
they got to find a way through that defense. If they can do that, then they can focus on stopping Shea Patterson. But if they can't get anything going on offense, uh, regardless of what Shea Patterson does, I just don't see a scenario where they can beat Michigan. Well, now we've got to go to the other Michigan uh, team, uh, Michigan State, uh, the home of Sparty, uh, if you will. They didn't make it to a bowl game. Uh, I mean, they, after missing their bowl game in 2016, they, they have 19 uh, starters uh, from last year that won 10 games. Uh, Rick, is Michigan State good enough to contend in the Big Ten anymore, or are they just kind of a has-been? Yeah, definitely. They're they're definitely good enough to contend in the Big Ten. I mean, Michigan can't beat them just yet, really, under Harbaugh. Harbaugh's 1-5 against Michigan State and Ohio State. So, I think they're definitely good enough. Uh, Mark Antonio is a great coach. I mean, he kind of follows that Nick Saban philosophy. Uh, well, they they pound, beat you up with the run game, and they they have solid enough quarterbacks and great, pretty good to great defenses. Uh, I think they are one of the top four teams five teams in, in the Big Ten, they can compete and they've been close the past couple of years and you always in the past couple of years you've heard some little talk about them possibly making or being right on the outside looking into the playoff and uh, I think with the way Wisconsin and Penn State has come up and we'll see what happens with Ohio State and I think Michigan as the season goes along will get better and better and better. Uh, I don't think this will be the year for Michigan State this year but they are a, a, a tough team to play uh, year in, year out, and they can definitely compete in the Big Ten. Matt, go ahead. You talked about Ohio State with their distractions. Michigan State still has distractions. The questions about the it's possibly having a Tony on the heat side. And obviously, the situation involving Dr. Nasser, uh, that's still moving over Michigan State's head right now. So it's not just Ohio State in the Big Ten that's got uh, off the field or adversity that they've got to worry about and have to deal with on a regular basis. I'd be curious to see how that affects them Guys, let's look at Stanford. Obviously, uh, that's Andrew Luck's alumni. Uh, anytime we can talk about Andrew Luck, uh, it, it feels like he hasn't thrown a football since college, but he is throwing for football now. But that's getting us off in the weeds a little bit. Stanford's uh, number 13 in the uh, uh, college uh, coaches uh, 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 poll. A uh, little pun on words. They're, they love to have Bryce Love back at uh, Stanford and uh, certainly uh, KJ Costello, uh, their quarterback, welcomes back some of the top receivers in the nation. Um, uh, Rick, last year their defense kind of really wasn't what what it should have been. I think they'll get better overall. But Stanford, what are your thoughts? Well, they got the Heisman Trophy favorite in Bryce Love running back, and if he can stay healthy all year, uh, that team is going to be dangerous. Uh, they're actually my pick to, to win the Pac-12. I think they're. I think it's going to be another year where Washington's not going to be able to get it done against Stanford. Uh, I think where they're ranked right now is actually a little bit low. They should probably be out there a little closer to the top 10. I don't think they're exactly a, quite a top 10 team, but maybe move up to about that 12. You know, maybe even they might even be a, a notch above Notre Dame right now at, you know, at 11, but they sh- should be a, I think they'll probably be a top 10 team at season's end. Uh, I, that's why I feel because I think their defense could be really good. And just having Bryce Love is, is such such a dynamic player. He's highest the trophy favorite, and uh, you know David Shaw is is consistently one of the best coaches year in and year out in college football. And we always hear about him possibly taking the next step to the NFL every year. Uh, 
But Stanford beats you up up the middle. They're tough, strong running game. It's that power running game. It's that Jim Harbaugh philosophy, and it works at Stanford because uh, they actually have good quarterback play there too. So Stanford's actually my favorite in the Pac-12, and I think their ranking right now is just a little bit low. Matt, go right ahead, sir. We'll learn a lot about Stanford in the first two weeks. They got a couple silver arrows that they got to avoid. San Diego State is a very underrated team in the Mountain West. And then they got to play USC the following week. So those two games, uh, they're going to be put to the test right now. And if they get out to a fast start there, that could be very telling if they could be a certain threat uh, for one of those four spots in the playoff. You're listening to the Balance Special Preview of Breaking Ranks. Starts August 22nd, 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. every Wednesday for your weekly dose of college football. Executive producer of the Balance, Rick Riggin, will be your host. I will be your co-host. Mo from the BS Sports Show will be with us on a regular basis. Uh, Matt will join us when he can to talk some Notre Dame. We will give you up-to-date on college football every single week. 917-889-8516 is is our digits. If you want to give us a call, talk some college football with us today, or give us your thoughts on Urban Meyer, feel free, uh, more than welcome to do so. Now let's go to Michigan that has the most overpaid, overrated coach. Uh, There's a lot on the table for him. He has to prove himself this year. And Jim Harbaugh, although I like Jim Harbaugh, don't get me wrong, he's a former Colt. uh, So there's reasons to like Jim Harbaugh, uh, but he has not lived up to his paycheck there at Michigan. One would hope uh, that the transfer from uh, uh, the guy from Mississippi, uh, Shea Patterson, will help them out a lot. They they are really inexperienced. They're having struggles against Michigan State and Ohio State. And honestly, I don't look for them to do very well this year. And honestly, I think before this season even starts, guys, Jim Harbaugh's on the hot seat. We might be on Harbaugh watch sooner than later, Rick. No. No. Uh, I don't know. I don't know about that, Tom. <laughs> I think that's a season. That first week, the first game against the Irish, it's going to be a close game. It's going to be a tough game either way. If they go to Notre Dame and lose by a touchdown or less, that's not going to put him on the hot seat whatsoever. And I think Michigan, as the season goes, is going to be just get better and better and better. And Shea Patterson is going to get more control of that offense. Uh, just my thing, and I'm just probably just speaking as an Irish fan, I just don't think that's going to happen week one. But it's going to depend on, like we said a little bit ago, if that offense at Notre Dame can get going against that great defense at Michigan. But that could be the key factor also. That if the Irish can't get going on defense, offense because of that, that defense, defense is going to win them the game. Uh, I, I I don't see Harbaugh being on any hot seat this year whatsoever. Uh, we even talked about this with Mole last week. If they go 8-4 and four again, uh, that's not going to put him on the hot seat because the other thing to Jim Harbaugh is he makes the university a lot of money too. So they're not going to fire him for that. Uh, I think this is probably the year, whether Urban Meyer's at Ohio State or not, I think this is the year Michigan gets it done against Ohio State. You know, real quickly, and Matt, we'll get your thoughts real quickly, but, you know, here, here's the thing. Are you trying to say that Jim Harbaugh is to Michigan as to Marvin Lewis is to the uh, Cincinnati Bengals? Go ahead, Matt. <laughs> I just don't see where Harbaugh's under the hot seat. I think that is the most overstated thing that I have seen right now. They're happy with what they've got right now. They're getting a lot better than what they've had the last couple of coaches when Ron Vegas was there, when Brady Hope was there, and certainly when Lloyd Carr was there, because Lloyd Carr was very 
controversial. They're getting what they want. I do, I do not see a scenario unless the they totally blow up and finish under 500. There's no way Jim Harbaugh is going to be fired at the end of this year. Guys, number 15 in the coaches poll, Southern California. Uh, it's likely to, to defense is to be led by uh, defensive lineman Christian Rector and linebacker Cameron Smith. Now that becomes uh, the strength of the Trojans after the departure of uh, quarterback Sam Darnold uh, with no significant experience in that position. So we'll see how, how they turn out. Uh, but certainly they open up on September 1st against UNLV, which should be a, a relatively easy game for them to win. But what are your thoughts, Southern California, Rick? Well, it's going to be life without Sam Darnold, you know, that they've had the past couple of years. And he's the best quarterback they've had in, you know, several years. Now he's gone, plays with the Jets. And we saw what happened against Notre Dame last year. They got blown out. I don't remember the final score, but it's about a 30-point loss. And uh, I, I just don't think this is going to be the year for USC uh, with Washington and Stanford in, in that conference. Uh, even Washington State anymore is pretty good under Mike Leach. I just don't think USC has the uh, the talent this year uh, to get it done. They're, they're in a little bit of an offensive rebuilding themselves. So I think that and just factored in, we don't know anything about their quarterback. So uh, I think Clay Helton's a pretty good coach. Uh, maybe even a great coach. Uh, they always talk about him being on the hot seat the past couple of years now. I don't think that's the case either, but I don't think this is the year for USC. Go Two ahead, Matt. To open the year. Two tough schedules to open the year with so many unknowns. I mean, UNLV is another scary opponent from the Mountain West, and then you got to go to Stanford, and then you got to go to Texas. Them winning, I'd say right now, Rick, but them winning two out of three of those first three games uh, would be a victory for them right now because this is not a team I think that could challenge. And like I said, I think their ranking is a little bit high at this point. Yeah, I agree with you. And I'm really interested in seeing that that game against Texas. And uh, you're number two under Tom Herman in Texas. Uh, I'm interested to see how Texas has, has improved. If USC can go two and three, uh, in those first three games, uh, then I'm getting a little scared about their uh, game against Notre Dame later in the year. All right, guys. Uh, go ahead, Matt. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were going to say something else. Number 16, the coaches poll TCU. This should be another overachieving season for the Horned Frogs. Uh, certainly the defense is the back backbone uh, there. TCU uh, didn't quite make it to the playoffs, but they did make a lot of noise in college football last year. I expect them to do that again this year, Rick. Yeah, they seem to have this hump they can't get over where they pretty great on defense and uh, good on offense. Gary Patterson puts together solid teams, but they have a hump they can't get over in big games, and they lose these big games late, and it knocks them out of the playoff contention, knocks them out of the top ten. And then now you're looking to talk for now we're talking about preseason favorites to a three and four loss uh, a team in TCU. I expect more, much more of the same uh, this year, but we don't know how – good Oklahoma is really going to be without Baker Mayfield and some IGP Ryan and these guys that they lost. So it, maybe they can get it turned around. Maybe they can beat Oklahoma. Maybe they can win some of these uh, Big 12 matchups late in the year. And uh, But I'm thinking it's kind of more the same, three, four losses for a TCU. That back-to-back games against Ohio State and then at Texas, I just do not see how they win both of those games. I mean, Ohio State – with or without Meyer, is going to find a way. And, again, primetime television, possibly for both of these contests. Uh, 
Gary Patterson's a great coach, but I don't know if the team and the ability that they can get players is going to be enough to get them through both of those games, uh, being able to avoid uh, putting an L behind one of them. All right, guys, number 17 in the college football coaches poll. Virginia Tech, 9-4. Quarterback Josh Jackson looks to blossom in his second season as the starter, especially if number one option steps up at wide receiver. I'm sorry. There are major holes to fill, though, uh, Rick, uh, uh, in the secondary with several significant departures. What are your thoughts on Virginia Tech? Virginia Tech and New Mexico. Uh, I think they're going to be a tough team. I don't think they're going to be able to Clemson by any means for the conference, but they're going to be in the upper half of the conference. The game comes in and is against them. That's going to be a tough game for Notre Dame. That's a tough game for anybody to play in Blacksburg. It's one of the toughest places to play. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking about nine or ten wins. You know, Okay, you're cutting out on us there, Rick. I apologize. Go ahead, Matt. The opener against Florida State is going to be tough for them. And uh, Bill DeSue is a frank team of the way he has done so far. I'd say he has done a marvel job. And I'm surprised his name is not mentioned as far as, you know, big coaching jobs elsewhere, possibly. If those openings come in, I'm surprised that name's not being mentioned in Justin Fuente. Hey, Rick, we'll go back to you. Do you got us? Uh, do you have me? We do. All right. Go yep. ahead. Uh, finish your right. finish your statement, <laughs> sir. Go ahead. <laughs> well, I don't remember what I was saying now. Uh, I was just okay. saying, you know, I don't think they're going to be able to uh, kind of just keep up with Clemson in that in that conference. But uh, you know, they bring in Notre Dame, and you know, they win. If see how Notre Dame looks up to that point, if they're like undefeated or whatever, and Virginia Tech can get a, a win against undefeated Notre Dame, that's really going to boost them in the rankings. Uh, but I, I don't see them winning the. Uh, the ACC this year, but they're going to be there. They're going to be one of the uh, – obviously they're going to be one of the top teams in the ACC, and I agree with Matt. Uh, I love what Justin Fuentes has done with, with Virginia Tech. It's been a great job. Guys, number 18 in the coaches' poll, Mississippi State. New coach Joe Moorhead is blessed with one of the most talented rosters in the SEC, except that it's the SEC, so just by association, SEC. Sucks! Uh, <laughs> with their quarterback, Nick Fitzgerald, appears to be a, a perfect fit for the former Penn State coordinator's offense. Defensive lineman Jeffrey uh, Simmons is one of the conference's top defenders. Rick, Mississippi State, what are your thoughts? Yeah, it, it's that roster he's inheriting, which is great. But uh, I just think playing in the SEC at this point, uh, the way Georgia and Alabama's playing, and uh, I they're not going to have the horses to get it done because I think Mississippi State is also going to be pretty good this year. So, uh, but he is the was the offensive coordinator at Penn State, right, Matt? Ain't that where he's coming from? Yeah, and I, like I said, you look at the schedule for Mississippi State. They got a lot of nasty road games here. They go to Manhattan in week two to play Kansas State, a, a improving Kansas State team. And I tell you, talk about SEC teams. Rick, watch out for Kentucky. They play at Kentucky on September 22nd. That could be a potential upset. And then, of course, you have to find ways to win at Death Valley against LSU in October, uh, at Alabama in November, and then, of course, the Egg Bowl against Ole Miss. Uh, there's just too many landmines in that schedule. And even if they get through that, the fact that the non-conference schedule, 
you know, Matt, Stephen F. Austin, Louisiana, Louisiana Tech, if they don't get that Kansas State win, that non-conference schedule could be a big uh, backbreaker as far as them uh, being a considerate for, you know, one of these bigger bowl games, if not the top four. I, 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 for some reason, we we got a little bit of gap there. I do apologize. So we go on to our next. Our, our, uh, it's like a delay what was there. That? I didn't hear anything. I don't know. What was oh it? man, that's funny. Is that was some sound you made. I didn't make any. No. Oh, it was just like I, I I thought that there was a. I I thought there was a continuation. Anyway, moving on. Oh. We digress. Number nineteen in the Florida State uh, Seminoles. Obviously, Jimbo Fisher following the money going away. Willie Taggart is uh, uh, the the man in charge there, and his uh, uh, and his big uh, first big decision as a Seminoles coach will be picking between DeAndre Friansos, sorry, and James Blackman as quarterback. Francois. Francois. Okay, DeAndre <laughs> Francois and uh, James Blackman. Uh, I think they need to go with James Blackman because Francois will throw the ball with his pinky up in the air. Rick. Uh, I think Blackman is going to be the starter, and I, I think that's probably what fits best with Willie Taggart coming from uh, one year at Oregon, so he never really got his offense established there. But uh, I don't know what, what to think about Florida State right now because I don't really know much about Willie Taggart, and this might be a little more for Matt. Uh, is he like a, is he like a, an Oregon-type offense guy, you know, what we've come to know from Oregon with Chip Kelly and Mark Alfred with does his offense that's kind of that, that same way? Is that how he got the Oregon job? Because uh, for me, I don't like coaches that go to a place like like that for one year and then leave because they think it's going to be a better job. Is Florida State's probably a more prestigious job? But I don't know if it's a better job than Oregon, and I don't know really know much about uh, Willie Taggart. Taggart, I think, is a decent coach, but yeah, I think he's in over his head at Florida State with all the expectations there, especially during the Bowden years and the Fisher years. If they got to a slow start and Obviously, the Virginia Tech game, if they have trouble at home against Virginia Tech, they're going to have a lot of trouble uh, with Noel Nation uh, running down his back, for sure. Right, guys, uh, we've got a few more teams that we're standing by for Mo from the BS Sports Show. Uh, when he joins us, we'll get back into the Urban Meyer conversation. Uh, but certainly uh, number 20, the West Virginia Mountaineers, uh, should be one of the more entertaining teams in the country with uh, quarterback Will Geyer uh, throwing and whiteouts, David Sillis and Gary Jennings. Uh, the Mountaineers, I like them. I, I just sometimes I, I don't know which way to go with them, Rick. It's like you if you like them, they're doing well. If, if, if you got – if if they're, they just can't seem to get out of their own way sometimes, if that makes sense. Rick, go right ahead. Uh, I actually feel like at this point, West Virginia is underranked. Uh, I think they might be the best team in the Big 12 this year. And it's Will Greer, the quarterback, is, uh, I don't know, it seems like he's been playing college football now for nine seasons. But uh, very experienced. Uh, he's not going to lose them any games at this point. Uh, he, he definitely has the arm to win them games. He's not going to lose them any games. Dana Hogerson is uh, one of the great coaches in college football. I, I think West Virginia is going to be good enough this year to get it done in the Big 12. I'm not sure if they're going to be a playoff contender, but if they are going to be right there at the end, I, I feel like I think West Virginia is underranked at this point. And, uh, but I do think they're probably – they might be the best, 12, the best team in the Big 12 this year. 
they have a favorable schedule. I don't know how good Tennessee is, but I don't think there's really a road test, Rick, until you get to the Texas game on November 3rd for West Virginia. If they could take advantage of that, they could certainly keep themselves in the conversation uh, for, you know, the top ten, if not the top four, uh, for several weeks, I would think. All right, guys, so we're getting into our special uh, – this is our special preview of Breaking Rank. Starts August 22nd, 8 p.m. Rick Reagan, executive producer of the balance, will be the host. That will be the co-host. Matt will join us to talk Notre Dame as he can. Mo from the Sports Show will join us regularly. We'll see who else that we can get to to join us. 917-889-8516 is our digits. And when Mo jumps on here in a few minutes, we'll get back into the Urban Meyer talk Let's talk a little bit about Texas Longhorns, Rick. What are your thoughts? They're the number 21 uh, team in the coaches' poll. Uh, they have a, a, an improved running back, an improved offense. Uh, I'm sorry. Cutting out again. What was that last part you said? I just said the Texas Longhorns. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, I don't know what to think of of Texas just yet. I, I, my gut feeling says they're going to be much improved. You're two underneath Tom Herman. Uh, do I think that they, they're they probably going to be uh, towards the top of the Big 12? I don't think they're just quite there yet to win the Big 12. They're not going to be uh, – I don't think they're going to be a top 10 team this year. Uh, maybe that's next year or year four or Tom Herman's not going to be this year. But definitely they're going to be a much improved team, a very solid team, a dangerous team to play against. And that game, Matt just said, against West Virginia, November 3rd, is uh, that's going to be a great game. Uh, but I just don't think they get it done against West Virginia. Uh, but I'm thinking maybe eight wins is a great year for Texas, you know, year two, Tom Herman. So, uh, Matt, what are your thought, thoughts on that? I think they are a team that is still a year away from getting there, but I think the word that – describes them this year looking ahead to what they could influence the Big 12, but Rick, is spoiler. Uh, they have a lot of these tough teams, but they are at home, and I think that could make a big deal. It could ruin a season like, for say, Oklahoma, who plays them at home in the Red River Shootout. Uh, West Virginia, that's a home game for them. Um, you look at, I mean, the only TCU's also at Texas. USC is at Texas. The only really game that sticks out there that says tough is maybe Kansas State, maybe Oklahoma State. Beyond that, a majority of the tough games for them as far as Big 12 and non-conference are in Austin. So, guys, uh, we go to Boise State, 11-3 and last year. They're number 22 on the coaches' poll. Um, the, the Broncos are blessed with quarterback Brett Ryan in a deep backfield. Uh, I, I certainly look, Rick, for them uh, to uh, have a run in the group of five berth of one of the, the major bowls this year. Yeah, I don't think we're going to see a UCF scenario with them. Uh, but as long as they stay – where they're at, I mean, they're always going to be like one of the lower-ranked teams because, uh, you know, they play, play in a weak conference and they always get good athletes. I think they need to step up a little bit, maybe join a little bit better uh, conference, for me anyway, because I can't ever take Boise State seriously. I know they had a great run several years ago, and the whole Statue of Liberty play against Oklahoma, and that was all great, and that's why we still talk about Boise State every every year, year in and year out, but for me, anyway, I can't ever take Boise State seriously until you step up in competition. I just don't think they can get by Oklahoma State at Stillwater. Uh, Brett Whippen, I think right now, is 
I got to say, I think he's getting more hype than he deserves. I mean, the tapes that I saw on Brett Griffin, he looked very scared. Uh, he made some very questionable throws in the traffic that he should not be making when he had other open options available. Uh, he's going to need to improve his game big time uh, if they find a way to be him in Stillwater. And even then, like I said, the Mountain West has some loaded teams, San Diego State, Air Force, Nevada. I mean, there are some dangerous teams in there. Even the BYU game looks scary. And considering how unpredictable Boise State is, Rick, even though, yeah, it's still a little bit meh, I still think there are some landmines even in the Mountain West Conference that I just don't think Boise State can avoid. Okay, guys, I'm so sorry I lost connection, uh, but I'm back. So uh, whatever you guys said, I totally agree with. <laughs> I, you just I, make fun of your face the whole time. I don't, I don't blame you. I don't blame you at all. All right, guys, uh, number 23 in the uh, Colts' poll, a team I don't follow a lot, so I have to plead ignorance on this team. Uh, but Central Florida, I know they're in, they got a new head coach as well. Rick, what are your thoughts, Central Florida there in the American League? I just feel like that they're getting that 23 ranking based off last year, but now Scott Frost is gone. Uh, I don't think they're going to be the top 25 at season's end. Uh, Houston's real good. Uh, you know, the, the other group of five teams that they play, there's a lot of pitfalls there. I wish I had the schedules in front of me of all these teams we just talked about because I didn't know we were going to go, you know, break down every top 25 team today. I thought we was doing the Urban Meyer talk for majority, so I apologize on that. <laughs> Well, I didn't. I didn't want to overdo it. So I, I don't, don't have anybody scheduling. Yeah, I, yeah. I, oh, I, I understand. I totally get it. Uh, so I, yeah, I wouldn't prepare to my my party anyway. Have all these schedules in front of me and see what's what. But I just don't think US uh, USF is is that they're not a top twenty five caliber team this year, in my opinion. As long as long Three. as you're out there. Yeah, that just I just don't think they're going to be able to get by this year. North Carolina and Chapel Hill looks looks iffy. Pitt looks iffy, even though it's at home. And then of course that triple option in Navy. And I think if you you looking ahead to like Navy Notre Dame, Rick, the fact that Navy has I think a much bigger threat at quarterback this time around as opposed to last year, that could be a big problem. Any team that plays Navy could have their hands full, especially Notre Dame. Rick, as long as you're ready for August the twenty second. You're good because you're the host, man. So you you you, I'm ready. you get to plan out the schedule. You get to plan out the agenda. So uh, you'll you you'll get to have all the fun that I have every every week. And just <laughs> for the record, I just didn't want to do overkill on Urban Meyer uh, because uh, I wanted to save some thunder for for Mo, and I wanted to uh, make sure that people didn't think that all we talked about was domestic violence on <laughs> the balance. Yeah, I thought we were going to fill the gaps here with like beer or monster energy drinks or something like that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we, we could have done that. We we should have been better prepared. We should have been better better prepared. All right, guys, let's move on uh, down the list here. We're standing by for Mo from the BS Sports Show. I'm efforting uh, to try to, to get with him, but I have not heard back from him. LSU Tigers, number 24, right? Yeah, uh, my thing with, with them is uh, I actually love the Cajun Cookie Monster and Edwards are on. Uh, I, I do like LSU. I, I just don't think they're dynamic enough on offense to keep up with anybody, but they play great defense. And uh, they they will be in the top 25, I think, at season's end, but I don't know in what capacity. So I think they're well, – maybe they won't be because I'm thinking about seven or eight wins and uh, decent bowl game, kind of like last year they had against Notre Dame. You know, the chance was a chance sports bowl. I don't remember what bowl that was it played now, Matt. But uh, 
I just think the way the SEC is. Citrus Bowl, that's right. I just think the way the SEC is shaping out now with Bama and Georgia, and we'll see what Texas A&M is able to do. I just think it's going to be a good year for them. I don't think right off the bat. But uh, Florida's going to be better, and uh, I just think the way the SEC is starting to shape out, I think that's probably going to get Ed Orgeron shipped out at the season's end. Or, you know, if seven or eight wins just isn't going to cut it at LSU. Mo is having issues with his phone. For LSU right now in the SEC, Tom. Uh, the opener against Miami going down to Coral Gables is going to be a test, obviously. If they get through that one, they still got to play on Auburn. Uh, and like I said, the best scenario for them is a spoiler for other teams in the SEC right now, possibly for Alabama and Georgia, who they both have to go to Death Valley to play them. But beyond that, I just think there's too many landmines in the way for Ed Orgeron to be able to be you know, a serious contender for an SEC or a top four spot. Most having issues with his phone. Uh, we may or may not be able to have him on. Uh, the number 25 team in the coaches' poll. Uh, will this be the final one? We'll get back into this Urban Meyer talk. Uh, Oklahoma State, uh, obviously, uh, they relied heavily on uh, quarterback uh, Manson Rudolph last year. But with his departure, you got to look for Justin Hill to, to step up and be the man to carry that load of the offense there. Uh, but uh, certainly uh, Jordan, the defensive lineman Jordan Bradford would be a, a key breakout there for them as well. Rick, uh, the uh, uh, Oklahoma State. Go ahead, sir. Well, yeah, I, I think uh, they're actually kind of a dangerous team and, and the capacity that uh, you know Matt uh, have brought up with some other teams that are going to play spoiler. Uh, they're going to be a tough team, and plus they, they sport the best mullet in the business. So, uh they're always a team you don't want to play against every year, and I just think the Big 12 this year is a lot more wide open than it has been in the past. Uh, so teams like West Virginia and Oklahoma State, you know, this could be a big year for Oklahoma State. I think this is West Virginia's uh, conference to take, but I think Oklahoma State might be there as well. Got to improve their defense, and I think they have a chance. The folks right now, they can't expect to score 40 or 50 points every single game and try to find a way to win if that defense continues to struggle the way they have. I think that's going to be their biggest bugaboo right now. They can't rely on their offense for all their success right now. Eventually, that defense has got to come forward and make some plays. If they don't, I think they're going to be, you know, they're going to be a contender, but they just won't be able to get all the way there. Um. See, there we go again. See, there, yeah, it's like it, there's that delay there, and it sounds like you're continuing to talk. So let's get back into the uh, uh, Urban Meyer uh, show, uh, if you will. <laughs> the Urban Meyer Crisis, uh, or uh, we, we tossed around a couple titles, Rick and I did, uh, on, on today's show, but we landed on the Urban Crisis. Former Ohio State wide receiver, though, Zach Smith, does not believe that he should have, ha- should have warranted his firing last Monday. Here it kind of goes back to what did uh, Urban Meyer know. Okay, one day before, is it one week before the, the, the media day, he's fired? Why? And if your coach is fired, you certainly know the reason why. So on the media day, I think, Rick, he just uh, – Lied, plain and simple lied. Uh, and, and you know, you, you talked about his interview. He made it clear that that when he w- w- couldn't, 
when he did his interviews with uh, various media outlets uh, for the first time since he was fired, Smith also made it clear that he doesn't uh, hold the hold anything against Urban Meyer. Go ahead, Rick. Yeah, you know, it's certainly not a crime to lie to the media the way Urban Meyer did. It's not a great look, but it's also not a crime. And we don't know all the behind-the-scenes stuff that's going on. Uh, maybe in the past all this stuff came out and Urban Meyer knew what was going on. Maybe Urban talked with him and said, you know, if this stuff keeps happening, I'm going to fire you or there's going to be some type of consequence. And maybe it happened again, and that's why he got fired. Urban held to it, kept kept his word. So, you know, we don't know until the investigation comes out of what what's been going on, what's been said behind closed doors, how this stuff's been handled eternally. But this could be the case where Urban Meyer actually did sit down with Zach Smith and say this stuff keeps going on. We have to let you go. And maybe he has reported the stuff up the chain, and that's the agreement everybody came to. And it happened again. So July 23rd, Zach Smith was let go based off the of, you know Urban Meyer keeping his word. So we just don't know until the investigation happens. And uh, there's not really much you know, we we can speculate, but without the evidence and drawing our own conclusions, uh, this, this, is, this is where we're at. Well, you know, it was Meyer, while it was, it, was Meyer, it was Meyer, but it was Smith's supervisor who ultimately made the decision to terminate Smith's employment as Ohio State's uh, receivers coach. Smith uh, remains adamant that Meyer was placed on paid administrative leave on Wednesday as the university launched the investigation into his knowledge and handling uh, of domestic allegations against Smith. Uh, that Meyer shouldn't lose his job, Matt. Again, I think we need to be, you know, very careful with this. As long as this investigation is going to take, I don't think they can get it done in just a, a, the sparing of weeks before the season. I think Urban Meyer will be the coach the entire year. I think the question is, will he be the coach when we get to 2019? So here's what uh, Smith said in an interview with ESPN. I'd be heartbroken for Ohio State for the players, for him and his family, because it's not right, referring to the firing of Urban Meyer. If he loses his job, that's just flat wrong. You know, we talked a little bit earlier on the show, Rick, about uh, Zach Smith and how he looked in this interview. Um, okay, so we believe that he's, a, he's an abuser, um, but he says it w- would be flat wrong to fire Urban Meyer. Well, I mean, how much we want to take stock into his word. I mean, we don't know what Urban knew and what really got reported and what didn't, how things were handled from 2005 when some of the stuff actually started coming up all the way up until now. So uh, he's had the Urban's had the problems in the past. It's the way he handled situations at Florida, and it's carried over to Ohio State. And uh, sometimes, and I. I don't know if it's the right thing to say, but I'm just going to say it anyway. It's it's sometimes it seems like he puts program wins and success above discipline and how he handles his program. It's kind of just been bad decision after bad decision. So, but we're going to see what the investigation turns up. And I'm with Matt. I mean, we could everybody can speculate what's going to happen, but maybe we should just hold off until the investigation reveals its, reveals its findings. So do we believe that? Go ahead, Matt. Go ahead. It's, it's flat wrong. That's based on his stuff as a coach. 
as a football coach, as success and all that stuff. That has nothing to do with off-field things. So I think that was a very poor comment on Zach Smith's part to say that. But I think it was mainly based on win-loss record and not what he did, his actions off the field with some of these instances and how he's handled them in the past, which I think really uh, tried to throw dirt over something and try to cover it up again, which I don't think was in the greatest of taste. Well, Urban Meyer is in the hot seat because he allegedly, we'll say, covered up uh, the the abuse allegations. Now, again, going to uh, Zach Smith's interview, uh, said that Meyer was aware of allegations that were made against uh, him in 2015 when his ex-wife, Courtney Smith, told Powell Police that a domestic uh, incident had happened last night at her home and she has been a victim and was sustained sustained physical abuse. Zach said repeatedly on Friday, however, that he never committed domestic abuse. Maybe his definition of domestic abuse and our definition of domestic abuse, Rick, are are, are two different things. But if there was a domestic incident, I'm, I'm, I'm quoting here, that a domestic incident happened last night at her home, and she had been a victim and sustained physical abuse by the suspect. Now, that's in the police report. But there was no arrest made. So if the police saw physical injury, but they didn't see enough there to make an arrest, rather make it more of a civil issue, maybe in maybe in uh, Smith's mind he didn't commit domestic violence. Just a thought. Rick? Well, I mean – there's text messages released now from Courtney Smith of you know, her and Zach where he actually admits it and tries to apologize to her over text messages. So uh, I don't know the circumstances of why he wasn't arrested for, you know, for abuse or whatever went on. But just like we talked about at the very beginning of the show, it's, if, you, so if you have an employee that's been, you know, oh, go ahead, Tom. No, I was just going to say, you're referring to the text. Here's a text that Zach Smith read from Urban Meyer. He looked at me and said, I swear to God, Zach, if, you, if I find out you hit her, you're done. You're flat done. You're done. You're fired. That's from Urban Meyer to yeah. Zach, according to Zach Smith. And that sounds like he knew about it to me. Go ahead. Yeah, definitely. And this could have been, like I said, a meeting between them two at some point and Urban said, look, if this happens again, you're going to be fired. And then we saw uh, it had to take place on July 23rd. So maybe he did do everything right. He just lied to the media about it, and that's what uh, this is all about. You know, I don't know, but that's not a good look. It's not a crime, but not a good look lying to the media. Maybe uh, during the Big Ten media days, if he would just said, yeah, I knew about this, and I reported up the chain, and that's all he had to say, maybe we're not – dedicating a whole show to the situation right now so yeah i don't know it's a tough situation it's a tough call matt any final thoughts on urban Meyer before we wrap it up and put a bow on it today well it's i think right now it it shouldn't be a wake-up call to urban Meyer. it should be a wake-up call to ohio state because these incidents have happened way too often since the start of the 21st century and they need to start gaining some institutional control i'd say right now that's signed badly on the president that shines badly on the athletic director and everyone in that school right now until they get their head straight and start getting some control of the program. That seems to me like lack of institutional control. That definition applies to Ohio State right now. 
Because well, I can't help but draw the lines when you when you look 365 feet high. We look at Urban Meyer. We look at Sean Miller. We look at uh, Sandusky and Penn State issue. We uh, look at uh, uh, we look at Louisville Cardinals and Rick Pitino. Uh, we look at uh, coaches who use their school phone to get hookers. Uh, we look at uh, Michigan State. I mean, yeah, Michigan State in uh, the issue with the um, pedophile issues there. We look at all of these things 365 feet high. There is a problem in our colleges today. Rick, go ahead. Yeah, well, I don't know how to really put it. You know, I just uh, they really thought about it, but a lot of these programs, and they just might put, you know, program success uh, above the uh, discipline and the issues going on, and now society has changed, and some of these institutions need to, they're going to have to change with it. Cause like I said, we're just, society anymore is hypersensitive to a lot of these issues now, and some of these uh, colleges and their administrations are going to have to catch up. Rick, is there a problem in the colleges today? I mean, uh, Matt, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, there's still an issue, and this has been the issue for many years, even with, during the Bowden era of Florida State with all the problem players they had during the Tom Osborne years in Nebraska. Fortunately, this is a never-ending story problem, and I just don't see where there is, with all the money and the revenue that keeps coming in, there's going to be a situation where someone puts their foot down says enough, says enough's enough, or if someone tries to put their foot down, like what at Penn State, they're immediately going to have people saying, well, they were overreacting and stuff like that. So it's a no-win situation for the NCAA, whether they act upon something or they don't act upon something. The same goes for the school. All right, guys, Oh, on it. Uh, this has been our special preview, if you will, of Breaking Rank. Uh, uh, we broke down the top 25 colleges of uh, a coach's poll. Uh, we talked a lot about Urban Meyer. Thank you, Matthew Embry, uh, for jumping on. I know you wear a couple hats with the show talk racing with us in, in uh, college football in Notre Dame. Rick Riggin, executive producer. Guys, we'll go around the horn. Thumbs up or thumbs down? Dun, dun, dun. Are we okay are we positive are we feeling positive energy from the indianapolis colts camp at grant park in westfield thumbs up or thumbs down thumbs down thumbs down all right matt thumbs up thumbs down (laughs) if you're expecting them to make the playoffs thumbs down if you're expecting improvement from last year thumbs up i have to go with matt Thumbs up. I think we're, we're going to see a big improvement from last year, and we'll go from there. Matt, where can people find That's you working division. in the That division is too tough. Again, Twitter and <laughs> but, Instagram, a lot of stuff coming up for me, especially uh, fans of uh, sprint car racing, their big event, the Knoxville Nationals, the 360 National Finals are today. The 410s get underway on Wednesday, so a lot of fun there in Iowa. And then, obviously, uh, with silly season, IndyCar silly season picking up, uh, follow me at Popular Oakville. I have a few synopsises there. And like I said, for all of our information on Notre Dame coverage, check out WSBTRadio.com and check out our podcast on Weekday Sports Beat with Darren Pritchett, Eric Hansen, and Sean Styers. They have all the stuff you need uh, for all the information as we draw closer and closer to Notre Dame, Michigan, on September the 2nd. 
All right. Thank you, Matt. You have yourself a good weekend. We'll talk with you soon. Thanks, Matt. Good stuff. Good stuff. Rick Riggin, our executive producer, uh, going to be the host of Breaking Rank coming back August 22nd at 8, at 8 o'clock. Final thoughts on Breaking Rank and what can people expect when they tune in uh, to uh, us on Wednesday night? Uh, well, you can expect to hear my fat face as ramble on about mm-hmm. college football and yeah, and uh, who deserves to be in the top twenty-five and who deserves to be in the playoff as the season rolls, uh, as the playoff rankings. I'm sorry, as playoff rankings roll around, being a little distracted here by the wildlife, like I said at the beginning of the show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, okay. breaking down the big matchups from the week before and the week after, you can find me at Riggin underscore Rick on Twitter. Find me here on the balance. You can find me hosting Breaking Rank and my articles on iurish.com. All right, buddy. We look forward to talking with you soon and being a part of uh, Breaking Rank here on the, the Balance Radio Network. My name is Tom Mark Wazell, Presidente. Uh, thanks for uh, joining us today. Uh, remember, the court and jury is still out. Maybe it's not our job to be the judge and executioner in the media of set, set events, but certainly one of the biggest college uh, uh, football stories in recent memory. We will be following it for you, and be sure that we'll definitely keep you up to speed. My name's Tom Marcos, El Presidente. Remember, don't drink and drive, but it isn't cool. I'm out of here, deuces. Join us next week for The Balance. In the meantime, check us out on Twitter, T-Balance, or Facebook, The Balance, or online at www.thebalanceonline.com.